Hello again, and welcome to the second edition of the Metier Class by Chanel. I'm Tyler Brule. In this special five-part series, we're exploring the philosophy, craftsmanship, precision, artistry, and design codes of Chanel with its family of collaborators. And over the course of the series, we'll be sitting down with Pharrell Williams, Lady Amanda Harlick, and Chanel's late art director, Carl Lagerfeld. Today, we're in New York. We travel uptown to speak to Chanel's fashion president, Bruno Pavlovsky, the morning after the Maison's Egyptian-themed show at the Met. Bruno Pavlovsky has been with Chanel for over two decades, held a variety of posts, and today discusses the importance of local relevance, well-executed retail, and the wisdom that comes with a long-standing management team. Bruno, here we are in New York, uh, post-Bangkok. I thought we could start with a very interesting announcement, which of course was exquisitely timed, but you announced on the eve of your show at the Met the abandoning of, of exotic skins, uh, which on one side was was a big statement. I thought it was positioned in a very interesting way. It was, I guess, partly ethical, but also also a quality issue of, of what you're able to, of course, bring into collections. What drove it more, though? We're in a time right now where there is a much more vocal consumer, a much more vocal media in many ways. But what was the driver uh, to make this announcement at this time? Oh, the announcement is a link with Metier and we'll come back on that, uh, because part of the solution is, uh, no doubt, within the craftsmanship of the Metier But on top of that, uh, it has become increasingly complex for us to deal with these uh, exotic skins. So we have been working on that for the past uh, 12 years, 15 years, 30 years, and uh, we have not found uh, any solution. And we have decided that it was time to move to something else. Complex because it was uh, difficult to source. It was uh, difficult to have the right level of traceability. And uh, it was difficult also to explain our customer asking a lot of questions about these skins, and more and more questions. And we are not able to answer easily or, or with the right uh, way to answer. So we decided that instead of uh, trying to find solution to a problem where we cannot find solution, because it's not up to us, we have decided to find another approach. And uh, the other approach for Chanel, it's about creation. It's about uh, craftsmanship. It's about innovation. All the topics that we believe are key for the future of the brand. And uh, we have seen yesterday, and that's the reason why we have decided to to announce that now uh, in the collection, a certain number of bags which have all these, uh, if I may say, criteria. First of all, they are very, very creative. So a lot of work from the design team, finding uh, not only the shape, but uh, the right way to mix uh, different kind of materials together. Number one, craftsmanship, uh, because this bag look more as a couture bag. Everything is detailed and uh, you see that when you touch the bag. And uh, innovation, because again, we have been working on some embossed leather or some specific materials, uh, which give you this uh, feeling uh, of, of uh, high-end luxury. So uh, we believe, yes, instead of trying to find a solution to a problem that we cannot solve, it was much better to have another approach and, uh, to, um, and to come with a, a, a new um, a proposal, a new assortment, of uh, high-end handbags uh, that will uh, continue to exist in our uh, assortment. 
So in many ways, this was a way to also open up a, a bigger discussion with the U.S. consumer, a global consumer, also about Metiedia at, at the same time, correct? Sure, sure, sure. Here we are so happy to be in New York because, uh, you know, we have a strong link to, with uh, our uh, uh, New York and American customers. And, and it's historical, it's linked with the haute couture. Uh, we have been able to develop the haute couture, you know, thanks to, to the support of uh, our New York customers or American customers. And now, being able to be here with the métier d'art, it's a way to reintroduce them or to re-explain or to re-expose them to the, all this uh, different craftsmanship. And uh, it's what we are doing today with the customers. Uh, we are going through the key pieces of the collection, being able to show them the, the detail of uh, this uh, craftsmanship. And we believe that's something very important to value here in the States. They know our products, they know Chanel, they know but they have to be reintroduced to this uh, craftsmanship. How do you transmit this message right down to the floor in Dallas or in Beverly Hills? Because on one side, a consumer, of course, understands the notion of, of couture, but someone then has to express this. It's not sitting on a, a press release. I mean, it is, but at the same time, the consumer is not so interested. So how do you disseminate that? Because I, I, we talked, you know, we've talked at length already about service, and this has to be so, I would say, essential in not just closing a deal, but also building a market. Yeah, and and, and so there is a different step. The, the first step with the customers is uh, being sure that we can uh, give them a good feeling, a good perception of what uh, the brand can do, and uh, what we are doing at the moment, you know, with. Uh, our Instagram, for example, here in the States, all these videos, uh, small videos about the different métiers are quite important because it's a way to start, if I may say, the journey with them and to expose them, you know, to all this uh, craftsmanship. So that's the first step. Second step, obviously, when they come to the boutique, it's quite easy to, to display, to explain and to show all the different finishings that we have, etc. But there is also a, a, a third step, which is uh, being able to service them after and to continue to, um, if I may say, uh, explain, but also uh, service and, and, and give them the right uh, input with uh, this product. And uh, today, it's exactly what we want to experiment between now and May with our uh, American customers. We'll propose them a lot of uh, touch points to be able to, to, to better understand what is behind this métier how Chanel can value uh, uh, this product. And uh, no doubt that uh, th there is a design, there is a creation, Mr. Lagerfeld, Virginie Viard, the work they are doing. But there is also all this craftsmanship and there is also all these uh, materials and, and the work that we are doing uh, by uh, innovating and trying to find new, ma new materials, new leather, new finishing on the leather, uh, all these kind of things which can make the difference. And that you have to explain to the customers, you know. You have to take them through the boutique and you have to continue to nourish them with all this kind of information. And uh, I believe that's part of the strength of, of this brand, Chanel. Does the core customer, do they, do they care? Are they interested in the whole story? Or are they ultimately just interested in the silhouette, the label? If it was made in a nice factory in France, okay, that's nice. If it was a group of, of métiers that came around it, also nice too, but... I think they care more and more, in fact. And, and we see that with the new generation of customers, and we see that, you know, our objective in the boutique is to deepen the relationship 
that we can have which uh, between a customer and a fashion advisor. We try to, to better anticipate their visit to the boutique. We try to give them as much as possible uh, information about the, what they want to see in the boutique. That's becoming more and more important. And in fact, we realize that uh, all these customers today, they want to understand more about the brand. They, they want to see uh, the behind the scene of uh, what we are doing. They, they want to have uh, more uh, traceability. They want to better understand what we are doing. It's not just for uh, the beauty of the product. There is a beauty of the product. I think that's something which is very important. The design, I feel different. I feel good. I feel... Uh, Uh, because I'm wearing this jacket, but there is also all the details that you don't see, which are in the jacket and which are making a big difference. You know, the luxury market is quite today uh, active. You have uh, many, many different proposals. And at the end of the day, this uh, emotional links that you can create with your product, uh, because you like it, you see the detail, you understand the people who have worked behind that are probably uh, becoming more and more important, even more important than the product by itself. You mentioned emotional link. Is Chanel unique in the galaxy of, of course, other brands? It's a competitive marketplace. If I am in Chicago or Toronto or, or Los Angeles with, of course, uh, lots of other luxury competitors, but the story that you can tell today because of the collection of, of Metida, is your story... Uh, unique in terms of what someone can sell in a very sort of convincing, compelling way? Our job is to make the brand unique and to give this feeling to our customers. Now, I'm not the right person to be able to answer that. I think it will be quite interesting. Well, who could to answer ask. that other than you, Bruno? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> But I believe that the customer are, are probably uh, the one who can better explain why they feel the brand is unique, you know? When, when they come quite often to the boutique, when they have this relationship, when they want to understand everything about the brand, uh, I believe is because there is this uh, emotional attachment uh, to the brand. But, but in fact, you know, with Mr. Egerfeld, that's our job to try to make uh, the brand unique, at least to, to offer a very special emotion every time you are connected uh, with the brand. And that's the reason why we are focused uh, on this creative process. You know, uh, 10 collections a year is 10 times the opportunity to, to deliver and to give something very special to the customers. You are not, as a customer, you are not obliged to like everything we are doing, but at least you feel something. Uh, you feel it's for you, you feel it's not for you. Uh, it's today's not for you, tomorrow it will be for you. I, I, I think that it's part of our work to be able to develop that. So to be able to do so, obviously there is, again, uh, the creative process. But sometimes you need more than the creative process. You need also to be able to set up the product and to develop the product and to have the right width, for example, uh, being sure that you can propose evolution year after year uh, to our customers. And one of the examples I, I like to take at Chanel is Tweed. Tweed is one of the key uh, material. If I myself the brand, the Chanel herself uh, was using Tweed, you know, uh, in uh, her time. Uh, this tweed was coming quite often from uh, Scotland. It was uh, a bit heavy. The tweed that you see today uh, at Chanel is very different. And uh, the past 20 years, we have been working quite hard in being able to renew this uh, tweed offer. We have been working on the thread. We have been able to develop a new thread, uh, mat uh, natural fiber and sometimes technical fiber. 
and we have worked quite a lot in the way to uh, wave uh, this uh, product to be able to offer something uh, very special. And today, when you wear a Chanel jacket, you feel that it's like a second skin, if I may say, and that's something which is very important. So no doubt that on one hand, you, we need the creativity of Mr. Lagerfeld because he's pushing us to uh, another level every time. But we need also the people who are able to work day after day on this thread to be able to have this uh, tweet becoming uh, more and more special, even unique, okay? And that's part of the story. And it's why uh, a lot of people find uh, this brand very unique, is that on one hand, uh, there is this creative process. On the other hand, there is all this development behind the product, which allow us to propose to our customers what we try, we tend to, to call unique uh, products. And what's interesting is the development of unique products. It's driven by human intellect. It's human talent. It's people using their hands. At a time when everyone wants to talk about digitization of businesses, it's very interesting that you're focusing on a, a very human story right now and the value of a human story because it's curious. You've been through maybe the last... 10 years, you could say, where everyone's been very concerned about, was the sheep happy who was living in New Zealand? And can I trace him? And can I look at him, you know, smiling on the top of a mountain? But somehow, over time, we forgot about the people who are making the clothes. In fact, we've been worried about the snakes and the, the lizards and everybody else. And yet, yeah, okay, we, we know that we don't want children making things, but we forgot about the talent that sit that is sitting in an atelier every day, innovating, and I guess the more important piece is I come back to, and we'll talk about the the project that's happening in, in Paris and opening, I guess, in late 2020, to also be employing people in a city, a creative city, and not in the middle of nowhere, in a place which is a little bit untraceable, unseen, forgotten. A long question, but is this also part of the, the message as well with Metidart to sort of recognize also human achievement in this as well? But I think the people are key. We, we need to have talented people at all levels. If you see the number one, Mr. Lagerfeld, we, we, we need to have his impulse. It's key. Uh, every collection, uh, every shows, uh, it gives us the direction where people have to work and have to go. But on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, when uh, we uh, manufacture our product, we need to have these people who understand, you know, everything about uh, this product, being in laser good, being in ready to wear, uh, we believe that's quite important. And, and the nice point to what you have said is that uh, today, which was not the case uh, 20 years ago, when you go and you visit the atelier, you see uh, a lot of very young people, you know, uh, men, women, who love uh, the idea of working and working, you know, working with their hands and being able to give also a contribution uh, to this uh, creative process. Because uh, the way they are working, they are not just... Uh, following instruction. They have to imagine and to participate to the development of uh, the piece they are working on. And uh, we see more and more people today, and that's uh, the nice part of the story, uh, who are ready and who are very uh, happy to work in this atelier. You know, they, they are quite motivated because they believe that they contribute to something which is much bigger. Okay? And, and uh, I can tell you that after a show like the one we have seen yesterday, um, when we are in Paris and when uh, we have all these people coming uh, to talk with uh, 
uh, with us about the show and they are very proud of the products that they have been able to, to develop. Uh, so, so I think that's something which is becoming more important, you know. Uh, we can do what we do because uh, we have a, a strong support, a strong participation, uh, a strong initiative also of all these people who are participating to the development of the collections. How do we inspire a next generation, French, German, Italian, Portuguese, to send their CV to come and become an apprentice in one of the ateliers, you know, in one of, of course, these many businesses that you're supporting? How do we inspire that? Because I think we see now people are much more interested in, yeah, maybe they, they want to be in a digital tech world. Uh, this seems more attractive. Um, yeah, and maybe not as labor intensive. Um, how do you how do you keep the next generation going? I, I, I think the reason why one of the reasons why we have decided to to communicate and to share more about uh, all this uh, atelier, it's also the best way to uh, uh, invite, uh, if I may say, uh, people to come to see and to discover our next um, building in Paris, uh, 19 arrondissement. You know, uh, Aubervilliers, Port d'Aubervilliers. The new building is exactly about that. Okay. It's a, a, a new way, it will be, because it's uh, coming two years from now, it will be a, a, a new way to put all these ateliers together, but also to be able to create from scratch uh, ateliers that people can visit, people can understand, and people can also participate to what we are doing. So not all kind of people, it's not, be an open, uh, it's not open door, but when we want, we'll be able to invite and to have a, a lot of people to come and visit and perhaps also participate to uh, what we are doing. Because, uh, again, we believe that, is that uh, being able to show what we are doing, being able to engage the people, you know, on what we are doing will be the best uh, spokesperson uh, to this uh, very special uh, craftsmanship. When we met in Bangkok some weeks ago, it was also interesting because we, we did a, a session and we, we talked really about the essence of brand to a group of uh, young students from across the region in business in fashion as well. Would you say right now it's it's perhaps not easier and it's probably, it's not of course easy to find another Mr. Lagerfeld and certainly other people at his level to work with him, but it's, it's, it's maybe more difficult in a way to find a good shop manager to look after Singapore as much as it is someone who knows, to, knows how to apply a beautiful border onto a jacket. Again, I, I think that today, find people who are able to work in the boutique find people who are also able to uh, VM, visual merchandise, the boutique. It's probably the most difficult. At Chanel, uh, one boutique, one story, is something which is key. And in each boutique, we need to have uh, people who are able to understand the brand, to understand the collection, and to display the collection with the same energy, the same creative energy than the one we see uh, in Paris during the show. And for that, we need... Uh, talented people who are ready to take some risk in the way to uh, display uh, everything. And, and uh, by experience, it's become more and more difficult to, uh, to find these people. So th the more we can talk about that, the, the more we can uh, share this experience, uh, th the more we'll probably uh, have people uh, interested by this uh, new uh, uh, creative metier. We always talk about digital, but here in the boutique, it's the same kind of approach, you know. These people have to reinvent day after day, all year long, in the boutique, the best decor to ensure 
that uh, the collection is impactful to ensure that they create the right ambience for uh, the customers. And this one are not talking to the customers, you know. They need to imagine the boutique every day to make the boutique uh, quite attractive and impactful for these customers. And there is many, many different uh, métiers like that, that we are, which are not very well known, but which are so important uh, when uh, you are working in a luxury brand like Chanel. Now, you started at Chanel as a very, very young boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm still very young. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, no, but I, I'm curious. Do you think you're able to have this VM person or an advisor as well evolve through longevity and time spent within the business? Uh, they become better in that world as opposed to always bringing on new people. Because again, it seems that yeah, if, if we look at media, it's always about, oh, this person has jumped from this luxury house to that luxury house in this marketing job, in this design job. But I'm wondering if there's also something to be said for people who are committed to the business as well and have been there 5, 10, 15, 20 years. For sure, for me, that's the most important. Because uh, to be able to understand the brand like Chanel, which is quite complex, you know, you need to understand the story, you need to understand the Mr. Lagerfeld, you need to understand the vision, it takes time, okay? You cannot uh, ask people to know everything after uh, two, three months, six months, one year, okay? And if you want to start to contribute and to bring your contribution to, to the brand, it takes two years, three years to be ready uh, for that. So um, I don't know if it's an old uh, school or not, but uh, I, I believe that loyalty is probably uh, what is missing in, in, in the company uh, of today. Uh, small loyalty. And you say company, many companies, not Many just, companies. Yes. I'm not talking about Chanel, but uh, loyalty, uh, engagement. Be sure that uh, you build uh, year after year uh, a strong contribution to what you are doing. I believe that's something we have no price. Okay? I've been working with Mr. Lagerfeld for now 28 or 29 years. Uh, Virginie Viard, the same. Eric Frander, even more, okay? And so all together, we have been uh, together for quite uh, a long time. And uh, we have done mistakes. We have done uh, amazing things also. But at the end of the day, we know how to work together. And we believe that we are much more efficient uh, working like that. This is a fascinating intersection because when I think of the artisan, when I think of the métier d'art, there's... There's, there's a craftsmanship and there's a precision to handworking, but in a modern context as well, it's, it's also imprecise because it's by hand. Uh, there, is, there is something which is going to make it just that. It's, it's handmade in the most beautiful way. But also when you talk about your longevity with your colleagues as well, there's also maybe a certain imperfection as well that not everything is written down. How much of a good brand uh, do you think is is unwritten? Um, that it is about relationships as opposed to brand manuals. The C's need to be this way. Peter Marino needs to do every shop, etc. Uh, I'm wondering how much of it is also spoken and uh, and yeah, in the air in a way. You need to find a good balance. We 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 need a little bit of both. Okay. And depending on also uh, the timing, depending what's happening around, what I think you need that. But you, you took the example of uh, Peter Marino. Every time we start to work together on a new boutique, we start from scratch, talking about what will be the objective uh, of the boutique, uh, who are the customer, what do we want to do. Is that mainly uh, for uh, tourists? Is that mainly for local customer? 
do we want to push the ready to wear? Do we want to... You know, every time you need to ask this question. Every time we start a new collection with Mr. Lagerfeld, it's exactly the same, okay? Start from scratch, but from scratch. What we have is the brand. What we have is the codes of the brand. What he has is the codes of the brand. And from scratch, he has to develop and, and to start uh, working, offering a, a new angle, uh, something on top of uh, what he has done. So th there is some codes, and this code has to exist, you know. Tweet is an example. But after that, every time you need to bring something uh, new, and to be able to do so, because you are always looking to the to the future. You, you have to take risk, you know, when you are a designer like that, being Mr. Egerfeld, being uh, Peter Marino, they are taking risk because every time they sketch, you know, uh, from scratch, something uh, new. And for that, they need to have a strong support. They need to feel that the teams behind are here to make the execution right, qualitative and uh, impactful. So, so I believe that the more you are in this uh, creative area, the more you need to have loyal and strong people who help you to, to reach and to do the right execution. You've mentioned the word codes many times. I, I doubt it's like being in a McKinsey setup where the seven codes are written on the wall. I don't think anyone, I doubt they're probably written down. No, but you don't need to, to write. Yeah, you're totally right. I think you don't need to, to write this code. And, and you know, the codes are here at the beginning of something, but they are here also to be changed. And the nice thing, you know, when you are in this creative area is that there is no limit. If you start to put you limit, it's becoming more and more difficult. So sometimes I think it's good to have no limit. We'll do a show in Cuba. We'll do a show in the Met. We'll do this kind of things. There is no limit in the ID. And after, see if we can make it happen uh, or not. I, I think it's the same for the collection. You know, uh, we start from nothing, and all the developments are coming uh, one after the other. And uh, you don't know where. In fact, you don't know what will be the the end of the journey. And that's the nice thing in this uh, creative uh, organization. Are some things non-negotiable, though? Many things are not negotiable. You know, uh, keep the brand consistency. But, but you know, the, the people who, who who are, pushed, enfin, who are uh, defending the non-negotiable are, are the creative people themselves, you know? We don't need to have non-negotiable. They know what is non-negotiable. Which is yeah, a luxury in itself. By itself. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just rewind um, for a moment? Because we sort of, we jumped in today talking, obviously, about your announcement um, with materials and that uh, you won't be using exotic skins, etc. But... I want to go back to really the essence of, of the métier d'art and the relationship that you have with these individuals, these largely family-owned companies, and almost a philanthropic approach that you've taken. I imagine some of these ateliers would not be with us anymore if it wasn't for the custom of, of Chanel. Maybe some would have continued to thrive on their own. You seem more passionate as a CEO than, than others in supporting these. And, and I'm wondering, is it... Is it only from a position of business or is there also a cultural component? These are they're a foundation of, of creativity in France. They're a foundation of the industry. Where does the passion lie to really stand behind this, to put on this show at the Met and, 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 and many others that you've done around the Metier anyway? I, I think it's a bit of everything. Uh, the nice uh, with the Metier d'art, I think it's quite interesting to, to come back to the beginning of the story. 
it was in 2002, something like that, so more than 20 years ago, when we start uh, to work uh, on, on this métier. In fact, it was uh, a kind of gentleman agreement. Uh, we are working, uh, and you know, Mademoiselle Chanel herself uh, was working with some of them. I'm talking about Le Marier, I'm talking about Goussens, I'm talking about uh, Massaro. Carl obviously continued to work with them and to work with uh, some others. And, uh, you know, all these ateliers, which were around, uh, were key uh, for Chanel, for Mr. Lagerfeld, but were facing some uh, changes, being economic, uh, being succession planning or whatever. They were, in fact, quite fragile. And uh, we have had this kind of uh, gentleman agreement at that time, is that if something happened, Chanel will be here to support them and just to ensure that this atelier can continue to survive uh, and to develop. And that was the early beginning of uh, this uh, parafection uh, story. It was a gentleman agreement. So uh, no doubt that uh, we were sharing a vision. No doubt that we knew where we want to go. We don't know how, but the direction uh, was quite clear. And we have started uh, to work like that. But you know, the, one of the first ones I've been working with was uh, François Lesage at Lesage. And uh, again, there was nothing written. It was uh, a gentleman agreement. We were talking, you know, every month about what are the next steps, what are the challenges, what do we have to do, how do we do to recruit new uh, people, how do we train these people, all these kind of things. And step by step, we build what is uh, Le Sage today. And, and the same uh, happened with all of these uh, ateliers. Today we have 26, uh, so it has been a long story. Uh, but they all contribute to what is Chanel today. So again, these people are for sure passionate. And what we are trying to do when we need to, to find new ones, because that happens uh, uh, on a regular basis, we need to find the same passion. We need to find the same uh, entrepreneurial motivation. And these people are here to create the condition uh, that this atelier continue to exist, not now, but in 10 years from now, okay? And that, uh, what we are doing at Chanel all the time, we are working today, not for the tomorrow, but for 10, 15 years from now, being sure that the brand, and when I say the brand Chanel, it's also true for all the ateliers which are around us, uh, continue to, to exist. And uh, in this landscape, my job is to work on the 10, 10 to 15 years. It's not to work on today. So that's something which is key in terms of mindset. And that's something that I have not seen in other brands is a way to look at the future, but with a medium term, you know, five to 10 years, being sure that today we can take uh, the right decision for uh, the future. And that's something which is uh, quite uh, interesting to do uh, because you have to force yourself to make decisions. And I imagine one of the decisions must have been, what, five, four years ago, though announced recently, that you'll bring some of these 26 under one roof in the 19th arrondissement. What was the precise thinking there? On one side, obviously, to to create a window and, and, and a platform. But do you see that this also will have other benefits as well than, of course, just geography and putting people under one roof? I think, no doubt, first of all, we want a window. We want a window to, to show everyone that uh, this métier, this atelier are quite important. Okay, It was obvious but difficult 
to make it happen to find a location where we can have everyone together. But when we brief first uh, the architect, uh, Rudy Ricciotti, the idea was to give us a, a, a feeling of uh, uh, craftsmanship. And that's the reason why he worked on this kind of um, fabric approach uh, just to, uh, to show from outside that it's here we're talking about craftsmanship. That's something which is very important. On top of that, our expectation is because they will be all together under the same roof, not some of them, not all of them, uh, the idea is uh, to uh, open the doors and be sure that uh, all this atelier will work, will work more than ever together. Okay? And uh, when, uh, uh, for Chanel, but not only for uh, Chanel, some of the pieces that we have seen uh, yesterday night, it's a combination of two, three, sometimes even four of this atelier working together. And uh, we want to be able to develop more and more this kind of uh, collaboration. One is uh, specialized on feather, another on embroideries, another on I don't know what. And being able to work together, we create products that we even don't imagine today that they come to exist. And, and that's probably uh, the best way. These products are quite expensive because the value of craftsmanship that we find behind this product is uh, quite high, quite unique. And for me, that has no price. You said that there's 26 right now. If you look out five, 10 years, do you also see new entrants coming? And I guess thinking from a, a technological point of view, is there room as well if you decide there's an advancement in 3D printing, if there's a new weaving technique, if you suddenly made a trip to Japan and you thought there's something proprietary in this, we should support this. Do you see a 28th, 29th, 32nd? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that much about the number. It's more uh, about the topics. I will give you an example. Again, Tweed. Tweed is so key at Chanel. The Tweed. That everything we need to be able to develop the Tweed, uh, to, to offer to our customer a new generation of Tweed, uh, that will be key and important. So today, we are working uh, with companies and uh, I'm sure that uh, some of them will be part uh, of uh, Parafection in the coming months, uh, which are developing threads. Okay, thread, uh, you, it's a, it's a métier by itself. Okay, it's very complicated to be able to work on thread, and you you have less and less, enfin, you have uh, less and less company, uh, no company able to develop uh, this level of uh, technology. So at the moment, we are working on uh, new initiatives new program of uh, research and development on these uh, threads. And I am sure that in uh, three, four years from now, we'll be able to offer even another level of uh, uh, tweeds, which will be quite uh, nice and uh, uh, to, to wear. Finally, I just want to end on and, and coming back to the essence of, of craftsmanship, creation by, of course, by mind and by hand. Uh, and how you see that the path for this. On one side, you create a window, uh, and hopefully this brings in yeah, a next generation who, who wants to, to be part of this. Does this become a, a unique selling point for Europe? Because we're sitting in New York. Uh, this was a city that once had an incredible garment industry, still exists, but hugely depleted uh, because it went elsewhere. Is this something that France, Europe incorporated, needs to focus more on? For, for sure. Uh, I, I think that uh, it's quite difficult to find this level of craftsmanship, and uh, you need 
to develop uh, uh, people, you know, and, and to, to, to educate and uh, to train uh, people year after year to be able to, be, uh, to reach this level uh, of uh, expertise. And um, today, we see a lot of initiative in the tech, etc., but not that much in this, uh, when I say old, it's very uh, respectful, hein? this uh, old uh, métier, which for me continue to have uh, a reason, more than a reason, who will be part of our future. And that concludes this second edition of Metier Class by Chanel. We've been in conversation with Chanel fashion president Bruno Pavlovsky, and you can follow the rest of this series over the coming weeks here on Monocle 24 or download them from your favorite audio source, including Chanel's 355 series on iTunes. Up next, I'll be speaking to Chanel collaborator Lady Amanda Harlick in Paris, and you'll want to tune in to our exclusive sit-down with Mr. Pharrell Williams in Edition 4. Today's show is coordinated by Monocle's Daphne Hazard, produced by Holly Fisher and Fernando Augusto Pacheco. I'm Tyler Brulé. Thank you for listening. Thank you.